Hey everybody, welcome to The New Deal. I'm your host, Jerry Nutini. Today we're going to take a look at the situation in Ukraine, specifically the United States and NATO involvement or non-involvement. We've got a lot to talk about. Here we go. Okay, before I start, just a disclaimer. I'm in no way a military strategist. That said, I think that there are some real concerns in regard to the situation in Ukraine, outside of the obvious, mainly in regard to US support, NATO support, allied Europe support. In a video I posted on TikTok recently, and I'll post that in the description, I asked why we only play sanctions on Russia. Why haven't we done more? And the most popular answer I saw was because nukes, because Putin's got nukes. And he's crazy, so he might use the nukes. Now, in that video, I described some actions of our former president that Putin may have taken notice of. And I do want to be clear here for this video. Putin was going to invade no matter what. It didn't matter if Trump was in office, Biden's in office, Clinton, Mitt Romney, Ted Cruz, doesn't matter who was in office, this was going to happen. This is the culmination of years, if not decades, of planning on Putin's part. This is Putin concerned about his legacy. He wants to recreate the Soviet Union as that legacy. The point I did want to get across, though, is that the United States and other Western countries in general have taken on an attitude of non-accountability over the last few years, whether it be in regard to how we view our sacred institutions like the Supreme Court or our reverence of the Capitol building or policies within the Constitution or on a larger scale, letting authoritarianism take hold of other countries and letting dictators get in there and just not doing much about it, turning the you know, blind eye. Now, here's the thing. People who usually weigh risk against reward, who are analytical before they make decisions, what we've seen over the last few years is other people who don't think that way. They just do whatever they want. They don't even acknowledge that the rules exist. They just move forward. And the people who usually weigh the risk versus reward are watching this and they don't know what to do because those people are unpredictable. And so those more analytical people, sane people, they're afraid to challenge the unpredictable people because those people can escalate whatever situation they're in, whether it be something political or something like a war like we're in now, and that makes it difficult, and that plays into that non-accountability. So Putin, he's over there in Russia, and he's sitting in his chair with no shirt on, because Putin style. And he's thinking, hey, no one's really holding anyone accountable for things that they used to be held accountable for. Let me get in on that. So he puts his force together, and he invades Ukraine, and he says, don't stop me because, surprise, I will use nukes. And the West is like, did you, he said he was going to use the nukes. Did you hear him say that? He's, we don't know. He said he's going to use the nukes. Here's the thing. Putin is always going to have nukes. And he's always going to say he can use the nukes. So where do we draw the line? A lot of people in the comments in TikTok said that the line is drawn at NATO. When Russia invades a NATO country, then the US and NATO will step in. That's their obligation. That is the line cut and dry. And as a technical answer, that's fine. But let's look at what's really going on. We've got two questions that we really need to have answers to in order to move forward. The first is, where is the line with nukes? When do nukes go from being a free pass 
for anybody who threatens to use them to a risk we have to take in order to save human life and democratic order. Where is that line? And the second, are we going to, under any circumstance, allow for the reestablishment of the Soviet Union, meaning Ukraine, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, at a minimum be restored to Russian control, and three of those four nations, by the way, are NATO nations. And then there are southern nations like Kazakhstan that were also part of Russia. So lots going on there, okay? Here's the situation right now. Here's where we're at. Right now, Ukrainians are fighting for their country against all odds. Their military is performing beyond anyone's wildest expectations. The Russian assault is slow. And there are many reports that Russian soldiers don't even know why they're there. They thought they were going on a training exercise. They didn't expect people to be shooting at them. They had no clue what they were walking into. President Zelensky has been as good an example, a leader, as anyone can imagine. One analyst uh, called him Churchillian in his leadership in this situation, and I have to agree. There's a lot of reason for hope. But on the flip side, over 850,000 Ukrainians have left the country, been displaced, creating a humanitarian crisis in Europe that's happening now. And while they're moving, often walking, outside temperatures are below freezing, and these people have stood outside literally for days. For days. Thousands of Ukrainians are dead, and not just soldiers, but civilians too. Russia has had no issue in targeting civilian structures. Many civilians also chose to stay and defend their country, so the Ukrainian government handed them a gun. And then they asked their citizens to make Molotov cocktails to defend their nation. Imagine having just a few Molotov cocktails that you made being the only defense between you and a Russian armored vehicle. Those are the people that are in danger right now. These citizens, these citizen soldiers are fighting bravely, but they're outnumbered and they're being killed. Russia is stepping up the lethality of their weapons and their assault tactics because it's been slow, not looking good. So we may see a transition from firefights and rockets to entire cities being leveled. And all this is without nukes, by the way. This is just non-nuclear wartime brutality. The US and other nations allied with Ukraine have imposed sanctions, which are causing the desired effect, a weak Russian economy. Uh, the ruble has dropped, I think Joe Biden said 30%. They have cut off Putin's fund, uh, 600 something billion dollars I think they had access to, and multiple other countries have completely cut their bank access to Russia. It's working, but it's slow, and it's supposed to work slowly. However, we've sent guns, and anti-tank missiles to the Ukrainian people, along with money, to further fund their effort. But there's one truth, one truth, that no one can change with money or weapons, and that is that the Ukrainians are outnumbered. They are outnumbered. The reality is, without military support from other nations, both in the air and on the ground, Ukraine will likely fall. Tens of thousands will die on both sides. Homes and cities will be destroyed. Cities might be leveled. If the Russians capture Zelensky and his ministers, they will likely be executed. Russia will stand up a puppet government to answer to Putin. And I just want to pause here a second. I want you to think about what you're feeling now. I want you to think about the scenes that you've seen reported coming out of Ukraine. You've seen the bombs and You've seen the destruction, but I know that you've also seen the hope too. You've seen the spirit of the Ukrainian people 
and you've felt the admiration for Zelensky and his leadership, and you've hoped along with them whenever you hear that they have achieved some small victory or, or done something crafty, you're right there with them, and you're really hoping. But now imagine watching President Zelensky publicly executed on Russian television. In the near future, maybe. Imagine the feeling of despondence when the people of Ukraine watch Russians march into their cities and take over with their government. Imagine all the families that will no longer be whole and all the people who left their homes last week who will never be able to return. They can't go back. Can we handle that? Can we handle that contrast? Because it's a big one. And if the emotional aspect doesn't get to you, think about the logistics. We're spending millions of dollars to help the Ukrainians. We are giving them weapons and ammunition. Other countries are also investing in this effort. But it's an effort currently likely to fail. With no intervention, there will be dire strategic consequences. Um, first, Russia is going to gain legitimacy. If Putin takes Ukraine, Russia gains legitimacy. It is one thing to talk about how weak and isolated Putin is while his assault is going poorly, but you can't play that card once Ukraine is under Russian control. Putin will have won, and in the eyes of, say, Belarus and China and any other na nations that are sympathetic to Russia, they will feel more compelled to take action if Putin's cause is no longer see, uh, deemed foolish or doomed. Putin will have also gained the wealth and resources that come with Ukraine, which also serve to further Russian supply lines and forward forces. And remember supply lines, because I'm going to come back to them in a minute. If Russia gets Ukraine, but then does not make any immediate move against any other nation, it will become more difficult to keep sanctions on Russia, because those sanctions will now be hurting the Ukrainians under the Russian rule, along with the Russian people, many of whom oppose this invasion. The longer that there is no active conflict after Russia takes Ukraine, the more pressure there is going to be to remove sanctions on Russia, which will allow them to rebuild strength. Oh, and they hold the oil card too. So Germany, you know, they can put Nord Stream 2 on hold for the time being and things like that. And Europe, you know, they can find fuel sources elsewhere right now, alternatives for a little while. But those countries are going to start to miss the Russian oil supply, which typically provides them 66% of their total supply. And if Russian oil flows to Ukraine, it will further enrich the Kremlin and further Europe's dependence on a hostile nation. And then sometime later, Putin will invade a NATO nation. And when that happens, he will still have nukes. And as President Biden so clearly stated in the State of the Union, we will protect our NATO allies and borders. We will go to war. We will go to war against a legitimized, at least semi-recovered Russia who will likely also have stronger allies beside them after they take Ukraine. Now, the brave Ukrainians who gave their lives for their nation will have lost their lives in vain, and likely unnecessarily, since NATO intervention will no doubt save thousands of Ukrainian lives. But what if we stepped in right now? What if we didn't let Putin take Ukraine? No, Ukraine is not a NATO nation. But they were in the process of joining NATO, and Putin has repeatedly said that Ukraine's potential membership to NATO and the EU as well is one of the biggest reasons for invasion. He does not want a NATO country like Ukraine sitting on his western border. In large part, 
Ukraine is actually being invaded right now because we aren't yet obligated to help. Putin is exploiting that fact. We're not obligated. They weren't in yet. And the West is using it as a paper shield. The fact is that strategically, NATO has no reason, none, not to step in now. Over 200,000 Russian troops are in Ukraine. That's more than 20% of their entire military. They are vulnerable and they are not motivated. They are not motivated. They don't know why they're there. They don't know what they're fighting for. These people, the Ukrainians speak the same language. It's not an easy thing to do to go in there and just start killing people. Strategically, there is an opportunity here to severely reduce Russia's active military. One way to do that would be to hit the 40-mile-long Russian convoy that's outside Kyiv. That's right, 40 miles of armored Russian vehicles, soldiers, ordnance, sitting on one road, essentially unable to move. It's a convoy in a traffic jam with nowhere to go. There is no more vulnerable a target than that. None. None. NATO airstrikes alone on that convoy would be devastating. And remember, the supply lines? Russia is having a difficult time right now establishing supply lines. They're having issues getting their soldiers food and equipment, maybe because of the traffic jam. Unmotivated soldiers will soon be ill-equipped as well. Next, no nation outside of Belarus has come to Russia's defense. China has urged diplomacy and shown no interest in being involved in this invasion. Russia is alone. And the Ukrainians have home field advantage, as they've shown, switching street signs, rallying in the streets. The people are coming to aid their nation. They are energized. They want their freedom, and they have asked repeatedly for our help. And by the way, they've been extremely grateful for the help that we've provided, even though we're not providing troops and airstrikes. They've been so gracious. They've been excellent. However, they've also asked for troops on the ground, and we need to give that to them. They deserve protection. They are, in and of themselves, the greatest assets in this war against Russia. Right now, their military is still organized, and they haven't ceded air superiority. A NATO intervention will drastically turn the tide. Drastically. Most important. The West will not look weak if we defend Ukraine. We will look like democracies who step up to the plate and stand for our ideals. No, maybe Ukraine was not a member of NATO yet, but they were well on their way. They are a free and independent democracy, and we will defend free and independent democracy against foreign invasion from a rogue dictator who's running an authoritarian regime. Not bystanders. Too sheepish to join in the fight. Not sitting on the sidelines saying, oh yeah, we'll do this and that, but we can't really give you everything you want. And that matters. That's, that projection of strength matters. That unity matters. Because on the backside, if we can drive Russia out, the Ukrainians arrive to victory with their freedom and our friendship. And the West establishes its strength. And Russia will be a shadow of itself militarily and economically with a real chance that Putin is either forced to step down or removed from power or whatever it may be. But Russia will be in a terrible, terrible spot. It also means that no people need to die in Latvia and Estonia or Lithuania because in my view, and again, I'm not a military strategist here, I'm not an expert in this, but my view and just kind of using common sense and history as my guide, a path to victory while also reducing the cost of life by standing with Ukraine now 
and not kicking the inevitable down the road just makes sense. If we're going to go to war anyway, because Putin's going to invade another nation anyway, why kick the can down the road? Let's save Ukrainians. Let's save Ukrainian lives. With that in mind, let's answer our questions. So the first question was, where do we draw the line on nukes? Nukes can't be a free pass. There's a shock factor here, okay, where there seems to be disbelief at the fact that a leader may actually use his nuclear arsenal. And that shock has brought us to inaction, kind of like the shock of people who are unpredictable brought us to inaction in many different ways. This is the same thing. We are afraid to provoke a response. And that is what Putin wants. He's using his nukes as a deterrent, and we are allowing ourselves to be deterred from helping Ukraine. So we let Ukraine fall. And Russia gains all the advantages I spoke of earlier. And guess what? They still have nukes. They still hold that card. And you bet Putin will use that card the second he invades a NATO nation. Hey, we're going into Lithuania. But if you come at us, we're going to use a nuke. And at that point, we said we're obligated to war. So at that point, we have to go in regardless of nukes, or we look super weak, right? Super weak. But strategically, it doesn't make sense to wait until he's done with Ukraine and invades Lithuania to enter into that conflict. It just doesn't make any strategic sense. And the only thing we need to know to come to that conclusion is that Putin wants to reestablish the Soviet Union. That's all we need to know. We know his goal. We know his next move. We know that the war is inevitable. And if it's inevitable, if a nuclear clash is coming either way, then why not enter that conflict while Ukraine and the West have distinct and powerful advantages that we will lose by waiting for Ukraine's fall? And we're talking about nuclear weapons. And I get it. They're devastating. The thought of it is devastating. Nuclear winter is devastating. We, but, and we don't even truly know, right, the damage that a nuke might cause today. It's been 80 years since a nuclear weapon has been used. We don't know. I'm not trying to minimize the risk of nuclear war. It's an extremely serious threat. But that risk will always exist so long as Russia holds their arsenal and their military strength. The two bombs dropped on Japan killed an estimated 215,000 on the high end, and that's a huge number. But not to make light of it, the United States lost five times as many people to COVID in the last two years. Four times as many Ukrainians are now without a home. They've been displaced. They're out in the cold. They're refugees looking for somewhere to stay in another country because theirs is under attack. And tens of thousands have already died in this conflict, including civilians and military members on both sides. And those numbers will grow astronomically as the Russian assault continues and intensifies. And this doesn't even take into account all the Russian people who are going to be crushed by sanctions. This threat will exist so long as Putin controls Russia. And I honestly believe that no nation would stand by Russia if they used a nuclear weapon on people. It's just not acceptable to do so. And I think most of the world knows it's not acceptable to do so. We've seen that. We were horrified by it. We, it's, you can't do it. No country will stand by you if you do it. So in the event that our intervention forces Putin's hand to use nuclear strikes, the damage and loss of life will be devastating. But Russia will be that much more isolated. 
and we may still end up saving more lives, even with those losses, than we would have should we have let Ukraine fall and watched the start of other invasions elsewhere. Which brings me to the second question. Are we willing to allow the reestablishment of the Soviet Union? If the answer to this is no, then we need to intervene in Ukraine right now. Not only does taking Ukraine give Putin progress toward his goal, but we also know his mission. He's been clear about it. He has not been secretive about his goal. We have no reason to believe that his behavior will stop with Ukraine. He is looking to reestablish the Soviet Union. And so if we absolutely will not allow that, if we absolutely will not allow the reestablishment of the Soviet Union, then why cede military and intangible advantages right now that the Ukrainian people and the West currently have? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. And if we will allow, if we will allow for the reestablishment of the Soviet Union, if we'll allow it to burst back into life, then why are we providing any aid to Ukraine? And why would NATO go to war for Latvia, Lithuania, or Estonia? Sure, those nations want their freedom and, you know, but Russia has the bigger army and it wouldn't be a contest with any, with any of these countries. So why would NATO nations spend money and give weapons and invest so much time and energy and endanger the lives of their own citizens to fight against an outcome that they might find acceptable anyway? I think we all know that that latter situation isn't even remotely plausible. We are standing with Ukraine because we would not accept a new USSR. We would not accept that, and neither would our NATO allies. So I want to add a few notes here, because this is complex. This is not easy, ever. And I'm sure there's more to it than anybody knows. So first, I have held that the U.S. should not act unilaterally, and I believe that still. As a nation, we stand to lose the least simply due to geography. Putin is much more likely to inflict pain and nuclear damage on European nations. The EU economic ties to Russia obviously have the largest impact in Europe, and countries like Poland and Latvia and Lithuania and Estonia, who share borders with Ukraine and Belarus, would be the front line for any enduring war. And I think it would be wrong for us to put any of those countries in that situation unwillingly. I get it. I also like to think we have other ways around this. Are we performing shadow ops in Ukraine? Are US jets or allied jets conducting airstrikes? Uh, do we have unmarked coalition soldiers on the ground maybe? And maybe do we have a larger plan for nuclear deterrence? Do we have a way to disable the Russian arsenal? Do we have people within the Russian power structure who can work to remove Putin? Uh, could the sanction be buying more time for more covert actions like these? I hope so. Avoiding nuclear war is obviously the best situation for everybody, and it would be foolish to think that the United States and NATO military strategy was being reported on the news. Like, hey, here's our plan, Putin, this is what we're going to do. And no one can expect that. But lastly, we can't allow history to repeat. This is an ends justifies the means situation. The world allowed Hitler far too much slack when he began invasions of smaller countries and when he began his posturing. The world didn't act soon enough. The signs were there. The appetite for war was not. But is it ever? 
Is the appetite for war really ever there? We spent 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, largely under false pretenses. Osama bin Laden was killed in 2011, and yet we remained in the Middle East for another 11 years for resources, for strategic reasons, and I imagine a great deal of money was made by a small amount of people. Um, that's not great. This is not that. This is one of those rare situations that calls you to help. A sovereign nation was invaded by a hostile nuclear force. It is not a skirmish. It is a full-on assault of the Ukrainian people. Russia had no standing to attack, and they did not put forth much effort into diplomacy. They walked away. This is a dictator looking to expand his power, and the entire world is in danger because of it. The entire world. Nuclear Holocaust was never a major concern in the conflicts in the Middle East. Now, very suddenly, millions could die because of the actions of one man. Millions. This is history on repeat. We waited too long last time. We didn't want to go to war last time. It wasn't our fight last time. But it was. It always was. And it is now. And we have to rise quickly in defiance alongside our allies. Ukraine. Today, Ukraine lost its first major city to the Russian force. Their cities are being shelled and their people are being killed. I hope beyond hope for the Ukrainians to prevail without us standing beside them. But it is just the realistic picture that has me putting this podcast out. And I hope we can just keep that picture in mind. The reality is they are outnumbered, they are outgunned, they are likely to fall. This is a complex issue. I'd love to know your thoughts. Please leave a comment below and I'll answer as many as I can and we can have a discussion. Um, as always, this seems silly considering the topic, but please like and subscribe, click the button, whatever, follow, pay attention. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening. I really do. Um, thanks for watching, uh, watching and listening. Uh, please pay attention to this situation. Uh, this is, I think, the most dire situation that the world has faced, at least in my lifetime, and I'm not so young anymore, I guess. Um, and let's keep the people of Ukraine uh, in our thoughts, uh, which doesn't do much, but hey, maybe that will get us sending some troops and, and further resources. So thank you for watching or listening to the New Deal, wherever you are. New Deal out.